My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Hilder. Hey listeners, welcome back to Transmissions. Thanks so much for joining us. This week on the show, I am joined by James McNew of Yola Tango and Dump. He joined up with his bandmates Ira Kaplan and Georgia Hubley back in 1992. He's been a prolific source of engaged independent rock music, the kind we appreciate here at Aquarium Drunker. Yola Tango are masters of a great sardonic album title as past work like I Am Not Afraid of You and I Will Beat Your Ass suggests. And on February 10th, the band engages once again with that fine tradition with its 16th record, This Stupid World. But This Stupid World is no doomer epic. Grappling with the sorry state of affairs is only half of it. Digging deep, Yola Tango turns up a touching meditation on time and what we do with it. I see clearly how it ends. I see the moon rise as the sun descends, Ira sings in the opener, and natural cycles turn and hum in the record's fuzzed out epics, like this one, Sinatra Drive Breakdown. McNew and I got together, the band had recently finished up its annual Hanukkah celebration, which is where we picked up our talk. But from there, we found ourselves in very interesting places, including some conversation about his dalliances in hip hop, uh, some important dump anniversaries, including the 25th anniversary of his Prince covers album, That Skinny Motherfucker with the High Voice, and lots more. From Yola Tengo to Sun Ra to Dave Matthews Band, plenty of surprises pop up in this conversation, and I really hope that you enjoy listening to it. I know I enjoyed having it with James. Before we get into that, though, we often hear from heads, what's the best way to support Aquarium Drunkard? How can I help? Well, the best thing you can do to help this independent music outlet keep going is to contribute over at Patreon. Independent music media, the kind that covers more than just the most hype releases, is rare. And if you dig our cultural reportage and want to chip in, our Patreon is the best way to do that. Join our patrons and keep the servers humming so we can bring you more radio shows, mixtapes, interviews, essays, reviews, podcasts, records, and more. Outdoor, 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions podcast. It's great to have you, James McNew of Yola Tango. Uh, congrats on this great new record. Well, thanks, man. It's uh, it's a really good album. Album 16, is that right? I don't know. <laughs> I think so. I'm going on the I'm going on the notes here, and uh, I'm okay. going to say 16th album. Um, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll I'll support that. <laughs> you guys just wrapped up your uh, your your Hanukkah run. We're speaking in very early January. How how was uh, how was that? It was great. It was uh, really fun. Uh, exhausting. We're still we're still kind of coming back up to the yeah. surface after that. But um, it was it was it was a really really excellent year. I was really happy with it kind of a massive undertaking and you guys have done so what well, kind of a massive undertaking it is a massive <laughs> undertaking um and you guys have done it so often i mean at this point do they do they all feel unique or are, are there kind of like uh, uh, uh commonalities that carry over from from years to years does it you know do, how, how, do, how do you conceive of it or how does it feel to you um yeah they i mean they all feel different um just just you know just the very nature of like every show is has some exciting opening grant opening band the show will have a special guest or or two or more and, right uh a uh a comic will 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 be there and and every everything is every night is is something special yeah uh, uh, it's you know there's there's kind of some some routine which i think is kind of healthy i guess <laughs> like you well, know sure. we've, been, we've been doing them at the at the bowery ballroom in, in in new york city for the last uh couple of years uh, before that um the shows were originally at the club maxwell's in hoboken yeah. which was which was a great amazing place and it held a lot of history um for us uh but at the same time Maxwell's was was very small and it held about 220 people or so um and this is in in many ways the 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 Bowery Ballroom just the location itself makes it uh easier for us to do more yeah um just as far as as you know stage stage production and things like that um it's it's uh it's closer it's a, a, you know downtown downtown manhattan a little yeah. closer than a little, little closer than hoboken so yeah <laughs> uh, but it's great and the people that, that work there are are amazing and our our crew is, is is incredible and without it without them uh we would we would be dead <laughs> so do you uh i i don't take it that the ambition is to keep scaling it up every every couple of years you'll make the show bigger and bigger and eventually you're at like a, a stadium or an arena or something yeah. like that <laughs> i think that i think that's coming I, I think uh we'll we'll probably do it on the moon um what is 2023 now yeah so yeah yeah you know i, I don't want to i don't really want to i don't want to set a firm goal of doing the shows on the moon but i'll, I'll put it out there Okay, I think you should put a year on it. You should go like kind of Musk style, right? And be like, by twenty twenty nine, we're we're doing, you know, Yola Tango on the moon. Uh, come hell or high yeah. water. Yeah, I, I think that's 
yeah, that's a that's a, I think that's a fine example to follow. <laughs> Transmitting live from Alpha Base, I am not afraid of you, and will beat your ass or whatever. Yeah, I like it. Um, <laughs> well, it's my dream to make one of those gigs. I've, I've I, I still haven't seen any of the Hanukkah shows, so maybe maybe twenty twenty three is the year that I could get out there. I don't know. Well, I hope so. I, it's funny. I, I see you know some sometimes I see people saying, "No, oh, you know, I really should go to one of those." It's like, yeah, you should. I mean, they're, they're not gonna, they're not gonna go on forever, and they only happen here. Um, you know, there's no time like the present. That's you should pe- pe- people should take advantage of that. We don't we don't stream them. We don't make them available anyway any in any way beyond you being here for them, um, which makes it really special and really exciting. Um, it's it's a real authentic night um of 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 happiness and and uh yeah i think that's what yeah i think i think that's what makes me want to do it so much is the is the uh the offline nature of it and for something to be Mm -hmm. something to be like that in in 2022 or 2023 you know this era it's rare and it feels very special so i'm really glad that you guys that you guys do it and uh yeah hopefully i'll make it out it's not always the easiest time of year to travel but that said uh, you know i don't know I'll, I'll bring my grandma maybe we'll see if she's into it too yeah sure <laughs> there's something for everyone well so the new record this stupid world as i mentioned it rules and i've really enjoyed spending time with it um it's a pretty it's a pretty live record uh compared to uh maybe i guess you know how does the process differ from the way you guys have made the last couple because we have amnesia sometimes was kind of very ambient but that was also recorded pretty pretty live as well right oh yeah 100 percent um that was that was if if it was that like like amnesia i don't really even think was multi-track it was it was everything was recorded live it was almost like a surveillance camera um (laughs) just being in the room with us and just 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 capturing every single thing that we did um and um i think that that uh there's a riot going on like a lot of the recording that we did for that um was maybe a little more similar to the way that we would record soundtracks like there was kind of a lot more construction and like kind of tracks being built up piece by piece um but the overall the the recording on on this stupid world like probably every almost every track is based on like a, a live you know eight track recording of of drums bass and and guitar um like there's a core you know a core uh just like the 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 core unit playing um, right on 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 every song Uh, you you mentioned there's a riot going on which is a record that i also really enjoyed i mean i i i kind of am generally i i find myself always a little baffled that Yola Tango keeps putting out not just records at the pace you guys do every couple of years pretty reliably, but also that they always feel, um, they always feel like they have their own, their own identity while also feeling like a Yola Tango record. It's kind of like the platonic ideal of a rock band in some ways, for me at least, because it's like, 
it's you guys go new places, but 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 there's a there's an identity that remains intact. There's a riot going on was was really collagey, right, and very loop based, uh, which I, I recall reading at the time maybe kind of a, a frustrating project for you on the technical end. Is that is that right? Gosh, I don't recall it. it um, it's 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 all a blur. Um, <laughs> I think that that record we definitely well well um we recorded uh uh, uh the the um uh, uh, most of that record like the, like the, like kind of an overwhelming majority of, of the of the recording on on there's a riot going on we did ourselves yeah. and um then then we we went to California to mix the record with with John McIntyre at his at his place and um um and I think you know while we were making it we didn't realize that we were really making it we thought you know we're gonna here's some ideas that we have and um we'll take them to a studio probably to John's and we'll we'll record a record but then we just kind of kept working and it sounded it felt okay and it sounded okay and we just decided that oh maybe you know maybe we recorded it i think we did <laughs> yeah. and um but and I, and I think i think um with this record at the at the beginning we thought you know yeah we'll probably do the same thing we'll probably go and 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 mix somewhere but we we kind of as we're working we're kind of mixing as we go um and we were pretty pleased with 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 how it was sounding so we we kept it you know just the, just the three of us nobody not another person was was involved until the mastering date it yeah. was just us in sinatra drive breakdown the opening song from the record there, i think there's a lyric about like finding it and losing it again and and i wondered if if maybe that's what it's like for you three these days that you're constantly switching up how you make the records or or keeping the creative process from to go back to the hanukkah thing getting too routine i mean is there is there any intentional element of that where you guys are saying okay let's shake up the way we make these these records every now and then so that we don't get too much in a rut or is it a little bit more instinctual how does that process you know present itself how does the process present itself is what i mean to ask um well certainly not in that way we, we don't really set out before before we start making something you know we don't really kind of set up like a a guideline or anything we just it just starts happening um i guess if anything we've we've over the years kind of worked towards being able to do stuff ourselves and and it's it's a it's a great feeling to be able to you know <laughs> to be old and to learn stuff it's it's uh <laughs> that's kind of the that's kind of the dream um and it was you know it was hard it was challenging but it was also super fun and and you know stuff that that you know 10 years ago or so i might have thought was like so technical and and boring that 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 i just i i would have hated it i love it and yeah. um i feel like you know it, it you know it, it finally got through to me that like you know well well you know technical decisions are creative decisions and it's like oh well if i look at it that way 
<laughs> that makes perfect sense and and makes it really really enjoyable and and exciting yeah absolutely absolutely the the theme of of time runs through this this record and and i wonder on the personal front, I, I've become very interested over the last couple of years. I think this is a pretty common thing, right? I think all of us in various ways have experienced um, over the last couple of years the the way in which our perception of time really informs how it feels like it's passing, you know? And And I've sort of become interested in reconfiguring the way I think about, you know, time and so when i heard that lyric i want to fall out of time i wondered you know how your perception of time has changed over the last few years if it has oh geez um i know it's kind of a loaded question <laughs> for what is 8 30 my time but a little later yours so you have less excuse <laughs> yeah i guess i i, I... <laughs> Wasn't, wasn't ready for that one. Um, Sorry. <laughs> gosh, I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, um, when you're, when you're, when you're a little kid, you know, a half an hour feels like a, like just an endless, endless, uh, you know, torturing <laughs> amount of time. Yeah. Um, and then when, when, when you're, when you're older, half an hour is all right. Half an hour is doable. And then, you know, <laughs> once you reach a certain age, the half an hour is like a blink of an eye. And um, it's it's all in, in I, 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 I didn't make it up, but it, it's all it's it's all relative. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, think, uh, I don't know the the. the it's hard to say. I mean, it was I, I remember somebody referring to like the last couple of years as like non-time and like um i thought that that was accurate in some ways but at the same time i mean it's like you know you do get to spend all this time if, if you're lucky you can spend it with the people that you're very close to and um it's hard you know this is, this is hard it was weird to have you know our work life disrupted but we kind of found a way to work and to yeah. be together um so it, it's you know it's that important to us that we that we found a way to to to, to we found ways to do it I wonder if maybe we could get a little more granular with that question because it was quite massive in scope but uh, to go back to that lyric I want to fall out of time are there moments where you do experience that that shift where like uh you know an hour flies by in an instant does that happen on stage for you still does it happen in the studio if it's going well yeah yeah exactly <laughs> if that's it's a, if, if it feels like it's dragging that's a bad that's yeah. a bad sign <laughs> yes that is that is that is another uh uh side of the the music theory of relativity is that if if things if things are not working well uh, three minutes could feel like two hours yeah 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 <laughs> but when it's happening right i mean that 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 really does happen right i mean that that feeling of of getting up on stage and then you look and and it's over you know and to me that's that's always such a strange and exciting thing you know um 
you want to somehow figure out how can I live in that time where it's it's flying by like that, but something is occurring. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, but that, that, you know, that's <laughs> to me. That's uh, that 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 feels like um, you know, that that's that feels like success. I yeah. think that like if if our our rehearsals are are sometimes sometimes they're rehearsals and sometimes they're just us getting together to play yeah kind of no with no you know with no reason other than we like to play so time can slip right by you know three hours can 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 go by pretty quickly and um you just kind of get lost in it and and it, it it becomes like you know breathing or blinking or or uh, what is that called like an autonomic function yeah um and especially and you know shared among the three three people kind of it's 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 pretty it can be pretty magical and and rewarding yola tango has been a band for a long time um <laughs> i i feel like i saw i i think i saw the stones the rolling stones pre-pandemic and i find i found myself wondering what does it feel like for for that crew up on stage? I wonder if they still feel that sense of like we're doing this thing that is instinctual and natural to us, you know? Uh when I look at like say a a band like Yola Tango compared to the Rolling Stones, I I, I find that uh Yola Tango has proved a more dynamic creative entity over its, you know, lifetime in terms of shifting stuff up. Um but that it's a weird thing, right? That difference between autopilot and uh and fully tapped in, I guess is what I'm, what I'm getting at. I don't know. I would, I would love to be able to speak on behalf of the Rolling Stones. It's kind of something that, that I, I guess I always wished that I could do, but I, I think that like, <laughs> you know, I, I, we like, we like to do things a certain way. Maybe there, there must be some kind of a, some crossover somewhere. Um, yeah. Uh, I could almost hear the Rolling Stones doing tonight's episode from this record. They could they they could do an interesting <laughs> version of that one. Well, they 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 had some uh, really really tremendous uh, drum sounds. I, I think um, that was that was I think that was certainly that that was that might be our our technical crossover. Is is you know me you know I, I always felt that that. George's drumming had a lot of a lot of kind of Charlie Watts and in, in 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 I mean just the way she plays the snare drum is is kind of the the I always I always felt that um and you know recording wise trying to emulate that a little bit and failing but coming away with something you know that sounded really good to us um but I don't know I I would I would you know my Sure, if, if you want to set it up that way, my advice to the Rolling Stones, uh, <laughs> yeah, try try playing some twenty minute songs and yeah. uh, see how you like it. You don't have to change chords that often. Um, just you know, challenge yourself, enjoy yourselves. I've always, you know? yeah, I've always wanted to hear like a twenty five minute how version it, of that. How does it feel? <laughs> sure, I've always not? wanted. <laughs> I've always wanted to hear a 25 minute version of that song. I just want to see his face, that gospel, mm -hmm. that gospel jam. Cause that to yep, me feels me like a, me too. There could be a 45 minute version of that one. I'd be into it for sure. 
sure, stretch out the brake and start me up. Who knows how long it could go. <laughs> uh, well, so to go back to tonight's episode, which I mentioned, there's a great Grateful Dead nod in there. Um, steal your face. I did. I don't have the lyric sheet, so I don't know if steel is spelled the same. <laughs> If it's steel, yeah. S-T-E-E-L, or if it's steel, like the Grateful Dead used it, but um, I don't know. We'll, it, we'll let that. Uh, we'll let. We'll let. We'll leave that up to the imagination. <laughs> or the folks at Genius.com or whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll set you. They'll set you straight. They'll set me straight. Um, there's also a reference to the uh, to the I Ching. Uh, have you? Uh, did, are you uh, a fan of divinatory practices in the recording studio? Um, I, I think we have some plugins for that. <laughs> uh, you don't use the uh, I've got a, a an oblique strategies deck, the uh, the Eno thing. That I, I find that that definitely can be helpful. Mm. No, we. I don't really think we. We don't really need. We don't really need help. <laughs> as far yeah. As, <laughs> as, as far as strategy, I think I think I think I think we're 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 kind of naturally pretty good at that stuff. Well, there's another great lyric in that in that one where you talk about uh, th- I can guacamole or uh, do the guac do the guacamole, and so I wondered what you Im- might imagine the dance moves to the guacamole being like, uh, if if it, if anything, you know, what what are you imagining when you're when you're working on a tune like that? Well, uh, gee, you know, I I didn't I didn't really uh, I didn't map it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is a yo-yo trick. It's not a dance. Oh, and, it's a, uh, I thought of it as like do the mashed potato or whatever. I guess is that a yo-yo trick too? It it could very well be. It's a, it's a it's um I don't know. It's 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 not a world that I've really explored that much. Um but I think you can make up your own I think you can make up your own tricks and give them your own names. I think that's um it's the same as making music. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a pretty good just general description for music. <laughs> so you can make up your own tricks and give them your yeah. own name. It's it's what it is. Yeah. Sure. Well, I was talking with Tyler Wilcox of Aquarium Drunkard, who did a great interview with you last year about <laughs> the uh, anniversary of I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One. And we were talking about the new record and just our yola tango fandom and he mentioned to me that you used to do a tv column for the yola tango site is that correct that's right i did i did yeah that's right uh well i found myself thinking geez i wonder what james has been watching on television lately (laughs) uh anything good no i i uh i actually got rid of cable tv um several years ago um i feel way better not having it in in the house um i did just watch uh i i I, now that you know now that now that you can do this i watched from beginning to end the series the new series uh paul t goldman oh that was pretty 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 weird and and totally amazing. Um, that's that Jason I, 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 Wa- Jason Walliner thing, the guy who did the yeah. Borat too. Yeah, that's that, right. It caught he my did, eye. He also he also directed the um, Friday I'm in Love video for us. Right. 
Right. So um, he's a, he's a I friend. I it was amazing. I've, I've definitely, I've never seen anything like it. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. That's great. Um, what motivated getting rid of the, the cable TV? Uh, I was just, just sick of it. I was sick of it. I was sick of information that I didn't want and <laughs> having to pay and having to pay for it. It felt like I was, it was, uh, uh, I, I guess it's like I, I remember um I, I was I kind of liked it I mean I you know I, I I could just turn it off but then it was like well then why am I why am I paying so much for it sure. um it's like uh have you ever been to uh South by Southwest I still haven't been to South by great. Southwest I think I great. might keep it that way I don't know yeah great um <laughs> the, the, there's a, a feeling that that I would get at South by Southwest when I would venture outside for a moment and music is is kind of just being shot at you from from all directions um and to i guess like you know it's like that feeling when like you know if it's music I'm, i like music but like when music's like not on your terms and being blasted at you and you can't escape from it it's that's that's kind of terrible yeah and um it was it was a similar a similar feeling anytime i turned on the tv it was like Nah, I don't. I don't think we're friends anymore. Do you do you have like comfort viewing shows that you'll return to? I don't. Not really. Um, every once in a while, I'll. I'll there might be a. Uh, I, I I'll I'll return every once in a while to um, check it out. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of a evergreen. Um, delocated, I think is is still incredible um the alan partridge shows from yeah 20 or so years ago that knowing me knowing you and i'm alan partridge i think are still totally amazing for sure i've been on a i've been on a big columbo kick over here uh yeah, good stuff. you know but it's my first time uh going kind of going through uh the columbo uh um, film <laughs> filmography, and I just recently hit that point where it stops in the late seventies and picks up in the uh, the late eighties, early nineties, mm-hmm. and it's been a bit of a culture shock. It's been a little bit of a difficult adjustment, you know. <laughs> That's a good perspective to see the the passage of time is definitely via Columbo, <laughs> but still, still quite good. Uh, Fisher Stevens was in the episode I finished last night, and he was uh, playing a demented filmmaker, and I thought. This is a pretty good role wow. for him. He was he was he was right on right on right on target with that one. Wow, that's excellent. Putting your music up online is not always the easiest thing in the world to figure out, but DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and as an artist, you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million-plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all the major streaming services. You can use it to edit your lyrics and your song credits. So important in the internet age to let people know the kind of people you're collaborating with. And uh, DistroKid makes that easy. You can also see all your stats from the streamers and, of course, add a credit card to purchase album extras 
The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. Go to the app or Play Store to download it. Well, so so I wanted to ask you a little bit about some of your some of your outside of Yola Tango work. Um, I used to work at a record store called Zia Records, and we did a a signing with uh, Run the Jewels, and um, uh-huh. it was my dry it was my job uh, to pick the the group up at the venue and bring them to the record store. So I was in like a little minivan, uh-huh. uh, picking up Killer Mike. Uh, and uh, an imposing figure, Killer Mike, uh, and yeah. uh, and LP, and I think I was really, I think I was trying really hard to impress LP, um, or to like, to like, kind of like convey like, hey, I'm ahead, you know, we're all good here, because so because because I brought up the fact that he's worked with you and Matt Sweeney and you know these kind of indie rock guys who maybe not the everyday Run the Jewels fan would be citing. I think I just exuded so much cringe that he was. Deeply weirded out, you know, but I was, but I was curious what working on stuff like that is, is like for you. And and what does that process usually look like? Is it a situation where the, you know, L cooks something up and then sends it to you and you're working remotely or are you usually working when you would do that stuff in the studio? How does that, how does that come together? Um, when we've done that, I've gone to him and I mean, he's a, he's got his laboratory all set up and, um, you know, he, I bring my bass over to wherever, where he is. And, and, um, he just plays me tracks and asks me to, to come up with something. Um, and I, I do everything that he asks. Yeah. Um, I will try anything. I, I am a, a huge fan of that guy of how he, just how he thinks and, and how he works. And, and, um, he's that he, I, I, that's an honor. I, I, I hope he asks me to do it again. That was that was a real pleasure always. Uh, what's your relationship to to rap and hip hop like? I mean, have you been a longtime listener? I mean, is that was that stuff foundational to you? What were some of the the early hip hop or rap records that really resonated with you? Oh well, the the message. I yeah. remember hearing that when I was when I was a kid in in Virginia, and it frightened me <laughs> yeah it was I, I i don't think i had ever heard music that frightened me before and it was um and at the same time i, I could not you know i couldn't stop listening to it i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't relate it to, to anything else that that i had ever that i had ever heard before um i mean i knew about you know i knew i knew about other kinds of music i knew about disco music and soul music but this wasn't that and I knew about go-go music and this wasn't that either. And it was, um, it blew my mind and it, it never, it got, it went right into my brain and it never left. Um, I was like fortunate to see like, you know, run DMC and public enemy a, lo- a long time ago and, um, and shows like that. And, and I, I, I enjoyed a lot of the, the, I enjoyed the eighties very much. And, um, you know, I, 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 there was definitely a time that, that I kind of didn't really pay it. There was a, a good, a good long stretch that I didn't really pay much attention to, to what was going on in hip hop. But, but then kind of in the nineties, I became aware of kind of more independent 
stuff happening. And that's, that's when I heard company flow. And that's when I, I learned about LP. And, and once I learned about them, I learned about an, of this galaxy <laughs> that was that existed that I didn't even know about. And it got me super interested in it all over again. And um, that was a really exciting time. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And it's cool to hear you work on records like that. Um, you know, is it a situation where you live instrumentation with rap isn't it doesn't just work any one one way uh when yeah, you listen when you listen back to this stuff um is it the case where like your playing has been chopped up recontextualized or and and what does it feel like to hear stuff that you did and not really have any sense of it's almost it would almost be like you're being surprised by what you're doing in a weird way i love it I, yeah I think it's it's like it's very uh it's like it's very um dreamlike to, to you know to have a sense of like have i i was here before right did yeah. i play on this maybe i did maybe i didn't you know and and you know anything that i'll that i'll you know that that that's what he does i i want to give him something that he can chop up and mangle until he's happy with it and um you know that's that's the gig so yeah. i'm 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 thrilled I, I remember I I went to see um oh my gosh I don't even remember when this was but I went to see the 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 rapper Cage do a show twenty years ago fifteen years ago and 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 realizing it's like now that's I played that like I I hearing it like over the PA and it's like no I definitely played that bass part and you know there's like kids kids like you know teenagers like stage diving and like going crazy and i thought like that's hilarious if they if any of them knew that the weird old guy standing in the back was like that's my baseline uh, <laughs> i was very proud i i like that you resisted the urge to start grabbing children and being like that's me this is me listen yeah that's a that's a that's a dead end you don't want to do that <laughs> Well, it's also a couple there's a couple anniversaries uh interesting anniversaries in regards to your work this this year 2023. I think it's the 25th anniversary of your Prince covers album, that skinny motherfucker with the high voice. Is that right? Wow. Um and I guess the uh, Super Powerless by by Dump that that came out in nine, 1993 as well, right? Originally was that the first? Cuz there's I think been... it was 1990. It might have been 1993, yeah. I think yeah. that's right. So that's thir- 30 years on that one. That's nuts to think about, but um yeah. That doesn't but, make sense. <laughs> speaking about the passage of time and all that stuff. But um I wanted to start off I wanted to ask you a couple questions <laughs> about those records and wanted to start with with the Prince project, which so we'll start with the kind of a basic one there. When did you first get into Prince's work? Was it always omnipresent as well? I th- oh gosh. Um I didn't really hear him on the radio so much until kind of gosh I, I it's 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 hard to remember i i, I grew up in, in virginia in, in charlottesville and you know the there was a college radio station um but i don't think i really heard him there i certainly didn't really hear him on the commercial stations and, and then but but like by the time 1999 came out you could hear him anywhere and he was on mtv and you would you could see him which was even better and um 
that's probably where where my love for 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 him started yeah you know there's this thing i think about like the shikoni youth record and i think about you know dump and and you taking on that prince material and there being a little bit of a sense of like mainstream meets underground all of that sort of that that sort of interesting collision culture clash or whatever that's happening but also when i listen to the dump record it's it's clear that you just really dig prince's songs i mean as a songwriter he's a visionary unbelievable and so it's so cool to hear the songs contextualized the way that they that they are on, on that record. I also noticed revisiting it, something I had never noticed, in your cover of Raspberry Beret, the narrator is the one who isn't that bright. And as opposed to, because I think in the, <laughs> it, you, you change it, you throw the first person, the I pronoun in there. And I was like, okay, uh, I guess I never realized that. Prince isn't typically mean. Uh, well, I guess the, the title track, or the title of the album comes from a kind of mean Prince song, but um, (laughs) (laughs) he's not typically all that mean. Uh, When I read the Sinead O'Connor biography, I was uh, I was kind of taken back by how uh, bad her experience was with Prince. But um, but mostly he's not that that cruel in his song towards uh, women or, you know, whatever. Or he's very gender fluid sometimes in his expression. But I thought it was interesting that you switched it up to you being the. The, or the person singing being the not so bright one, uh, which I thought was an interesting move. Do you remember anything about that decision, or was it just? I remember. I, I I think I I don't think I thought about it until I was actually recording it. Like tape tape was rolling, and I was recording, and I changed it in the moment, mm. and and kind of made myself laugh after I did it, and I I thought that was a good sign, and and so I just left it. I I, I you know I was I was taking liberties with his music anyway so sure (laughs) what the heck yeah i mean he he was probably if he wasn't already there he was you know in that in that stage where he stopped he stopped cursing Mm -hmm. and uh and then he wouldn't perform his songs that had curse words in them and uh you know i think i like those songs i love curse words so (laughs) i i you know you gotta you gotta hold on to them you gotta you gotta you could change things like you could change you could put them back that's okay yeah yeah I'll, I'll 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 carry that i'll carry that torch for him no problem yeah um was prince's passing a big deal to you i mean it was for i i remember feeling like him and him and david bowie passing away in kind of not short succession but but fairly close together i remember feeling like well, this is a weird um kind of epochal change you know what i mean like we've lost some of these visionaries of this that defined the last however many decades uh was that a was it kind of a weird did you have any personal feelings yeah sure i did i mean bowie was david bowie was ill and he was ill for a long time um i guess he just kind of hit it yeah but but you know prince's dying was it was senseless and uh heartbreaking and infuriating and um yeah tough to handle yeah yeah 
you know, I, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about Super Powerless as well, and I and I do. I want to I want to get to that in a second. But when you mentioned that you were from Charlottesville, immediately what popped into my mind was something I saw on Twitter this morning and had seen a while ago. Uh, passing, you know, Yola Tango fans passing around the fact that you once played a show with the Dave Matthews Band. Uh, <laughs> do you remember anything about that gig? I do. It was at it was that was. Um cbgb's on a saturday night i believe and um that would have been like 1992 yeah 93 um and cbgb's had this uh (laughs) revolutionary booking policy where um after the headliner of the night played then somebody else would play like the place would, would 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 clear out after the headliner played and then somebody else would play at like three o'clock in the morning. And that was the slot that the Dave Matthews band angled to get for their big big New York show. And um, (laughs) so I, 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 you know, I had been there at three o'clock in the morning on, on many occasions. And, um, and I remember the turnout at three o'clock in the morning was, was surprisingly larger than it usually was um that's that's all i remember i didn't watch them <laughs> you didn't we you didn't, did they didn't they didn't borrow my base amp or anything okay i just you know it's i mean there's it's funny enough for music fans to consider the idea of dave matthews band playing cbgb but then you throw you guys into the mix too and it just started to feel very very surreal but i'm sure that's happened all the time right where you open or a band opens for you guys or you you're on a shared bill where you're like hey the, yeah i remember that band and then eventually you run into them again as like chart topping has i mean do any other examples come to mind these sort of like not really um not for us that i can that i can really think of i mean i i know that friends i i I, you know more more than certainly more than us i can't really think of any times Hmm. that that it happened to us the way that like you know 11th dream day you know the, the 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 smashing pumpkins were were like opening for 11th dream day in chicago or you know, poison was opening up for Red Cross in in, in right. Los Angeles. It was, you know, we never, we didn't really have anything quite like that that I can remember. I'll think about that. Yeah, well, well then we'll go back. We'll go back to Super Powerless, which is another great record of yours, and and you know, it features a cover of of Sun Ra's Outer Spaceways Incorporated, and it was the Yola Tango cover of Nuclear War that really. Uh, hipped me to Sun Ra. I remember being a kid working at the same record store that I referenced earlier. Um, and my, my buddy Mark Schweikel put on that cover and I was obsessed with it. And uh, so I really owe you guys a debt because Sun Ra is obviously, he's one of my favorite artists now. He's one of the most interesting and fascinating artists of the uh, ever. I mean, yeah. s- s- simply put. The, uh, uh, you know, I feel the same way about Sunrise. I feel about the Grateful Dead in a way, which is that there's just mm-hmm. so much of it. And yeah. it's such a vast world. You can't really sweat feeling like a dilettante too much. You know what I mean? Because I, I feel like you could listen to a lot of Sun Ra and still have not heard all the Sun Ra. Um, oh, yeah. 
Do you have any favorite eras or, or albums or, or what is it about Sun Ra as an artist that is so attractive to you and so inspirational? Oh, geez. Um, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, uh, era, era wise, I really like the, um, the seventies yeah, and, and the eighties and, and also right now, I think that the, um, the, the band, the band under the direction of Marshall Allen kind of in the last, you know, easily in the last 10 years, um, I think is incredible. Like they are so strong and, and so much fun to watch. And Marshall Allen, it's like, he's 98 years old and he it, is like running that band like a, like a, like a sergeant and and it is it's it's just unbelievable it's it's so overwhelming and emotional like when you're watching it and then you start thinking about what you're what you're looking at and what you're hearing it's it's just it could be it can be too much at times it's 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 so powerful yeah absolutely it's crazy to think that this that i mean because that record uh swirling uh, from a couple mm-hmm. years ago yeah just like unbelievably good unbelievably good and so uh fascinating and and i i i feel like you know uh the orchestra is not just a band you know it really is like a creative philosophy and a whole program and outline you oh, know yeah. so so when you'll think about him lecturing the members of the group and all of this stuff sun Ra, not marshall marshall mm-hmm. being lectured too that he yeah. has carried that forward. It's just such an incredible, uh, an incredible thing. Um, do you, I mean, how many, how many times did you get to see the orchestra with Sun Ra? Uh, maybe a dozen or so. Yeah. Um, I saw them around Virginia and Washington, D.C., kind of whenever I got a chance. Um, and then saw them in new york once i moved here um but i got to see sun ra and june and john gilmore um it was pretty great i saw their i saw their disney program at least once where they just just did just did all all music from walt disney movies which was pretty incredible um yeah it's crazy to think because that was they followed up that it was the, they got asked to do that Hal Wilner uh, right. production and then did a, dis, a whole Disney album after that, right? Yeah, yeah, and it sounds incongruous, but I don't think it is uh, in a certain way. Made a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was. I mean, I, I, I guess I've always kind of been drawn to to things that are, you know, the the more psychedelic side of everything not just music but like and and i always you know took like you know the 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 freer side of jazz to be to be really psychedelic and um you know i i felt that's the thing about lp's record production that i think i was really drawn to is the fact that it's deeply psychedelic and um you know there's the 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 orchestra doing this you know directed improvisation for, for 30 minutes and then they they go into and then they play take the a train and right. it, it's and, and you know your, your neck breaks 
<laughs> and then somewhere down the line it makes sense to you it's it's like this uh like uh did you see that that uh documentary fire music yeah yeah it's on the criterion was, free jazz uh collection right now i think the, on yeah, the criterion there's, channel there's a, of, there's a lot of really amazing stuff in there but there was definitely somebody somebody who says that you know just because you know you want to be new it doesn't mean that you're like ridiculing the past and you know there's there's sun rock playing take the a train right with, you know with a 20-piece orchestra and dancers and 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 yeah there it is it's it's timeless it's new it's it's the future and the past at the same time yeah i mean that's the that's the dream that or that's the that's maybe the most powerful an interesting thing that music allows us access to is that space where it is somehow the future and the past at the same at the same time. I mean, I think about yes. NRBQs on that Hal Wilner Disney Comp too, and they're another great band where it's like an absolute. I mean, the sort of like uh, uh, these American song forms that are very traditional in certain ways, you know, getting yeah. re- reconfigured and, 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 and blasted out of this completely unique lens. And I, and I guess, you know, I mean, Yola Tango's like that too. I mean, I, I always think of how songs like your guys's cover of you can have it all, you know, is such a great example of a song that, I mean, for, I don't know how long it was that I thought that was a, a Yola Tango original for somebody who reads <laughs> as many liner notes as I do. I was pretty, pretty slow on the uptake in terms of realizing that that was a uh um in fact speaking of trying to impress people i mentioned to uh to ira when i interviewed him once for aquarium drunkard that we played that song at uh our wedding my wife and i that's awesome well he and he said the same thing he was like that's that's great you know and i and and then later later i started psychoanalyzing myself and i was like wait was he I wonder if he was bummed that we didn't play one that he wrote. Oh no, I screwed up. It didn't it didn't seem to I, I overthought it. But yeah. But no, that that in conversation with in conversation with other music, I mean covers have always been such a huge part of Yola Tango. Obviously the Hanukkah shows, everything. It's like that interpretive spirit is not something that every band does, you know? Um and I don't even really have a good question regarding that, but it's uh, it's definitely the case. I did want to talk about one more cover before we wrap things up. You did a, a Yoko Ono cover uh, with David Byrne and right. have played with Yoko Ono. Um, yeah. I remember when that YouTube clip kind of went viral. Uh, the Glastonbury clip. The Glastonbury clip. I don't, maybe yeah. that was maybe 2007, 2008. It was like 2014, I think. Oh, geez. I think I think I think 14 or 15. I can't I can't quite remember, but yeah. Well, what's it like pl- playing with y- Yoko Ono? That's a that's 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 the question. I mean, I can't imagine it. It was pretty unforgettable. <laughs> um, <laughs> to 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 it was. I mean, talk about overwhelming. It was. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. It was here's this this person who's you know entire entire life is art and dedication yeah. to art and it's 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 amazing. It's it's amazing to kind of be in the presence of somebody like that um, and to have access to those 
to, to, to be able to play those songs live with her was uh, uh, just, 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 just incredible. Like, I can't believe we did that. I can't believe we played Oh Wind with, with, with Yoko Ono. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I had those records for such a long time and uh, always, always loved her. Were I you- always loved, always loved Fly. That was, that was the one that I, that I always really liked the most. That's the one that's got Mind Train on it, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. just like it. Uh, my friend Mark Masters, who you know, he does a, a show called The Spindle for a project I'm part of called Wasteoids, and he and his friend John Howard, who he does the show with, they talked about. They're like, "Yeah, it kind of sounds like Can, right? Like, and it's like it really does, sure does sound like Can. Yep, it sure does. Mind blowing, mind blowing song. How were you nervous uh, to be on stage with Yoko, or or was uh, was it one of those moments where nervousness gets supplanted by excitement, or or you know what wh- what's the feeling like? I don't think I get nervous when I'm you know I'm I'm with I'm with Iron George. I'm with my I'm with my my family. I don't I don't, I don't I'm not nervous. I you know I I feel strong. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we all shared that. It was really fun. I feel like like we all were, had such a, a good spirit playing playing together. And I, I felt that Yoko was kind of pushing us and we were pushing her to like, you know, to, 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 you know, to like a higher, a higher platform. And it was, it was, it was, it was really exciting. It was so much fun. The set I thought was great. I, I had a, such a good time at that. We we played um, a couple of times with her. We, there was uh, the Glastonbury set. There was a warm up show at Union Pool in, in Brooklyn before the before Glastonbury, um, which was like a you know secret invitation show only, um, and that was pretty incredible too. And then we played in Central Park. Um, I think in that year, later that year in the, in the, in October, perhaps. Um, and that was, that was amazing too. Um, but yeah, that's, that's right. And we did, uh, we're all water at, at, at Glastonbury, which was, which I, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't believe it was happening. It's like this, this, this is, this is, we're actually doing this. There she is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. standing right there next to me. It's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. And I I remember the reaction being, you know, uh, because it was online, the reaction was at least a lot of the popular reaction was very dumb and very uh you know, solidly in that uh square reading of Yoko Ono that has plagued <laughs> music culture. <laughs> for decades now this absolutely reductive and goofy thing of like that's on one hand and then on the other hand it was a fucking radical performance and you guys did sound fucking far out so there's a part of me that's kind of like you know as easy as it is to sort of like uh uh look down upon this misogynistic often and uh reductive and crappy read on yoko it's not that weird for people to hear that and not know what to make of it because they don't have framework for that kind of art you know what i mean so uh but it was just a weird it was a weird thing and i wondered what it felt like for you i mean you guys haven't had or maybe you have has there been a big like tiktok yola tango hit yet 
I couldn't tell you. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I just remember, I remember being just so proud and like, and, and that I, I remember like coming, coming home and, and, and seeing the reaction to what, to what, to what I had just, to what we had just done. Yeah. And I just, I remember just feeling great. I feel, I feel like we did it right. You know, we didn't, we, we, that's what it is. That, that's, that's what, that's what Yoko's music is. We, we celebrated it and we embraced it and loved it and, and blasted it out together. And great. That's it. It, it got a reaction. Yeah. It, it should. It, <laughs> it should. Um, I was so proud. I was really was. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, and James, this is this new record also something to be very proud of like i said i've really enjoyed it it's been it's been so much fun digging into it uh and uh just now for for so many years having the music of yola tango to wander into and to explore and to use as a gateway to other incredible music um in a lot of ways it feels like your project and your other all all your projects your work as a whole really does um achieve that that thing that i'm looking for in music in terms of being a conversation and being a culture and being a a thing to kind of like find yourself in and uh and and the 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 times that i've been fortunate enough to see you guys live it always does the same thing and your blend of you know pop and 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 freak out is just yeah, it's great, and I'm so I'm so glad that we were able to make this this chat happen. Uh, yeah, that, I, that I could interrogate you about uh, about your uh, perception of time and uh, chat about Yoko. Yeah, <laughs> I thought we, I thought we were going to talk about TV for twenty twenty five minutes, <laughs> but uh, but you got rid of your TV, uh, kind of uh, cutting the legs off my question there. So I appreciate that too. Not a problem keeping me on my toes. James, thanks so much for joining us here on, on Transmissions. Uh, I hope yeah. you have a great thanks rest of your day. Thanks, man. You too. Take care. James McNew here on Transmissions. Thanks so much for tuning in and being part of the show. I'm Jason P. Woodbury. I write, host, and produce it. We're edited by Andrew Horton. Our music this season comes from Frank Mastin. Find more by visiting mastin.bandcamp.com. That's M-A-S-T-O-N.bandcamp.com. Our executive producer is Justin Gage, Aquarium Drunkard's founder. Don't miss his weekly radio show, The Aquarium Drunkard Show, on Sirius XMU Channel 35, 7 p.m. Pacific Time. We're part of the TalkHouse Podcast Network. Visit the TalkHouse for more great podcasts, interviews, and fascinating reads. If you appreciate our show, be sure to rate and review it, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want to make your support official, check us out on Patreon. 
We'd love to hear from you. You can find my email address in the contact section at Aquarium Drunkard. Drop me a line and let me know what you like about the show, your thoughts on specific conversations, or whatever else you might want to share. We'll be back next week with James Yorkston and Nina Person of The Cardigans. Geez, I really love The Cardigans. It's going to be a thrilling talk, and I hope you will come back and join us for it. All right, thanks so much for listening. This transmission is concluded.